0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 1075 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening in pseudo-emergency fashion. Not exactly earth-shattering news, but uh, going into the weekend, no podcast scheduled Until next week, it was time to break in to talk about some news that dropped on Thursday. Chris Gritcher of The Athletic reported that the Hawks are going to be signing Timothy luawu Luawu-Cabreau to a one-year non-guaranteed contract. By the way, instead of trying to say his name over and over again, I will now refer to Timothy Lalou Capereau as TLC the rest of the podcast. That is a nickname that he often goes by, so there you go on that. We'll go with TLC the rest of the way. But the Hawks have not announced this deal just yet at the time of Mr. this recording on Thursday night. I'm not fully sure of the details as a result of that. I've been asking around about this, but not 100% clarity on this. Uh, Chris Kirchner did uh, indicate on Twitter that the deal was similar to that of what Solomon Hill signed last year, which was a non-guaranteed deal for the minimum obviously Hill ended up staying around all the way through the season and has now been re-signed for another year but going into camp last year he was non-guaranteed it was not a lock losing me on the roster etc i i do think that Hill was probably a little bit more established because of the veteran nature of his uh, appeal whereas lower Cabrera is not necessarily that that locker room guy i mean he might be a good locker room guy i don't know but he was not brought in for that exact reason He's a 26-year-old uh, swingman, for the record. We'll get into what he is on the floor now at the top of the podcast, and we'll come back to the roster stuff later on on the show. So, uh, again, I hope be his age 26 season with the Hawks as he comes in this year. He started his career in Philadelphia. He was a first-round pick in 2016, only a couple of picks after the Hawks drafted DeAndre Bembry. Um, same draft. Uh, then went to Oklahoma City and Chicago briefly before spending the last two seasons with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Two years ago, the 2019-20 season, uh, which ended in the bubble, of course, was his best year from an overall perspective. He shot 39% from three that year, played 18 minutes per game for the Nets as a supporting piece, had a 60% true shooting mark that year, which obviously helps to prop up your value a lot. Last season, he actually did play a lot for the Nets, and given that Brooklyn was very good, you would guess that he was you know, a reasonable player. And I think overall my thought is with Cabreau that he is a uh, rotation-caliber wing. Not someone who's going to blow you away right now, but someone who's not going to embarrass you either. Uh, played 58 games for the, for the Nets last year, actually made seven starts for Brooklyn, played more than 1,000 minutes for the Nets, and actually played in seven playoff games as well, albeit briefly. But he did not shoot the ball well last year, 31% from three. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, then he also played for France in the Olympics, played uh, on their national team, 21 minutes a game for them. Average nine points a game as a role player. Actually shot well in uh, the Olympics in a small sample size, 38% from three. Um, Obviously, that's uh, not a huge data set, but there you go on that. Um, I would say some of the advanced metrics didn't love him last year. It should be noted that sort of some of his on-off metrics is about to have a heavy part of your analytics would be uh, tough because he's playing on a team with you know Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Uh, being replaced by those guys It's not help you in the on-off metrics, and he was sort of on the bench lineup in a lot of ways. But 538 and their Raptor model came out with projections for everyone in the league in, in the last couple of weeks, as I sort of mentioned on the podcast recently, and TLC It's predicted to actually be worth about $4.8 million for next season, which is obviously a lot more than the minimum. Uh, That's not gospel by any means, but it's a metric that sees him as at least a little bit more than a minimum player. Uh, Some of the other stuff, you know, EPM didn't love him last year, had him near the bottom of the league and some stuff. So, you know, some, I would say mixed results. Obviously the shooting two years ago made him look a little bit better than he did last year with the shooting numbers not being quite as good. He's 6'7 and 220 listed. It is a good athlete uh, not like a nuclear athlete but definitely a, a pretty good athlete on the wing has you know small forward size that's uh, helpful obviously I think defensively his tools are okay not a guy that I've always thought was like excellent or anything and I've been asking around a little bit um, tonight before I started recording this podcast for some thoughts on him and people have seen him more than I have but obviously a good athlete that definitely helps I think he can be at least passable to solid defensively uh, the big swing for me and what I can glean both on paper and and in talking to people and sort of the tape that I've least watched going back for a couple of years on TLC is the three-point shooting and whether his shot actually falls or not. So um, for his career, he's a 33% three-point shooter. Uh, that's not obviously fantastic. Last year was 30, 31.4% for the Nets. Uh, but he is really heavy into taking threes. In fact, he's taken 57% of his career shots overall from three-point range. So not a huge threat inside the arc. Last year, it was actually a career high. 67% of his shots came outside of the arc. Um, the volume is very intriguing, though. I think for me, overall, getting up a lot of threes is a general positive. And last year, he took 11 threes per 100 possessions. That's a ton. He's already about 9.5. Uh, Sorry, about 9 per 100 possessions for his career. That's already a pretty high number. So he hunts his shot very aggressively. And that's something that I actually do like about his game. He is much, much more aggressive about launching threes than like Tony Snell was, for instance, last year. I was supporting pieces, but obviously Snell was the opposite example of a guy who made a crazy clip of his threes, but just took so few, had low usage. TLC is a little bit more willing to fire away, but less accurate so far in his career. And obviously there's a big gap between hitting in the low 30s where he was last year um, versus the mid-30s from three or even the high 30s like he was two years ago, if you could sort of capture his shooting from two years ago, he's definitely a rotation player in the league. If it's more like last year, it's a little bit more uneven. So that's kind of the uh, synopsis again briefly. I will uh, definitely be watching him more. I'll probably talk about him a little bit more on the podcast when the details are finalized. But that's sort of the overall um, structure of that. And I would say... In the aggregate, this is definitely a totally fine use of a non-guaranteed contract on the minimum. It's a no-risk move for the Hawks because of the structure. Um, even if you don't love this move for the Hawks, it's a non-guarantee. Uh, they could just see him in training camp and then move on if they don't want to keep him around. Roster-wise, this is important to point out. I saw some people angry about this or bothered by it because uh, the Hawks, you know, he sort of quote-unquote fills the last roster spot. But it's important to note. The Hawks can bring as many as 20 players to training camp. So being on a non-guarantee, there is, no, there is, I guess very obviously, no guarantee that he'll be around for the season. And roster-wise, the Hawks have 14 guys guaranteed right now, plus both two ways. So they have an open roster spot for the regular season right now. He has a path, for sure, to be on the team this year. Uh, being that there are only 14 guys with guaranteed contracts, I think he is definitely an NBA-quality player. I think if I had to guess right now today with no other information whatsoever, I would say that he makes the team. But that's obviously a total guess and just like sort of reading the tea leaves and the fact that I think he's an NBA player. Um, with that said, he's not someone who's going to play a lot for the Hawks this year without some injuries. I know he played a role on the Nets last year. The Hawks are deeper on paper than that Nets team was. A year ago and even you know for instance i'd rather see if i'm the hawks i'd rather play delon right at the two or i'd rather play you know even jalen johnson probably than play tlc so it would probably take a couple of injuries and, you know they already have four more established guys on the wing between mcdonovich herter hunter and reddish and then you throw in some of the other auxiliary pieces even Skylar mays would be interesting in comparison they're different players for sure but um, not a huge path to playing time but there is a path to a roster spot for him so my whole thought on the market the whole time has been the Hawks should at least monitor for another depth big just because of a Akongwu being out. I know they, they do a two centers plus Collins, so they're, they're probably fine up there right now. But honestly, if you look at what was available, TLC was one of the better players still available on the market um, in the NBA right now as we get into mid-September. Um, that isn't like a huge statement about his value. I think he, again, is an NBA quality player. So he was out there. It's a non-guaranteed minimum. There's really no risk at all. So I generally like this for the Hawks. Um, we'll see how he looks in training camp and preseason probably along the way. And then of course they can cut bait with him if they want to do that. So no problem whatsoever for me. I think it's, you know somebody asked my opinion and basically I would say this is a move that I like. Uh, it's not one that I'm going to run around and yell and scream about. But at the same time, for a minimum on a non-guarantee, like you're gonna get what you're gonna get, and I think you know, obviously he's not Paul Mosat. That was the popular rumor for a long time that people, the Hawks fans, wanted to bring Paul back. I totally understand that. Uh, Paul wanted to went to Brooklyn actually, um, but given the realistic guys who would be available for the minimum or a non-guaranteed minimum, uh, this is probably as good as you're gonna do reasonably with the player that the Hawks are getting in TLC. So. Uh, all in all, not earth shattering news, but a nice little moment of uh, signing a little bit of a news flash late in the week here on Thursday evening that I want to at least break in for the subscribers and the listeners to the podcast, provide some quick thoughts. And uh, if anything else breaks in the future, I'll come, out, I'll come out with more information, but I'm sure we'll talk about TLC when we get closer to training camp. Probably not going to do the full-on uh, you know, player capsule for him uh, because he's on a non-guarantee, but maybe he'll come back up with some guests in the future and we'll talk more about him at that point in time. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you've not already, already done that already. And uh, again, the plan is to come back uh, early next week with our next episode. You know, again, three or four per week right now, and then we'll go back to four or five per week when the season is going to be getting underway because the training camp starts at about two and a half weeks. We're getting very, very close at this point in time. So stay tuned, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see you next time.